Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower Level. I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And I have worked with the homeless. And I have worked <laughs> with the toothless Moshi. The chokehold that that say has had on me this week. It's it's very relevant because we know that um, Dorit hosted the Toothless Not Homeless. Um, no, the Homeless <laughs> not, not, not Toothless. As you said it, I like anytime anybody says it, I have to pause and I have to go, does that make sense? And then I was like, you said it wrong. You said exactly what everybody else is saying. <laughs> The, the way that you just don't even try, like... It's because Toothless Not Homeless actually sounds better. But in terms of what is better, Homeless Not Toothless. And to be fair, they shouldn't be homeless either. <laughs> no, they should... Like, nor Homeless Nor Toothless. Like, it should be Not Homeless Not Toothless. Like, anyway. It's kind of wild. Like, they're just people on the streets of LA with, like fantastic teeth and just like living in a tent like where are our priorities Moshi well I think the thing is like your smile gives you confidence and teeth are important and if there's anyone we've learned that from I think it's housewives or like all reality stars find me a housewife who has her own original teeth they all have veneers you know what Moshi what gives people confidence, universal basic income. But that's a conversation for another podcast. All other podcasts. That's for our Politico podcast, Politico After Dark, coming <laughs> soon this summer. Uh, um, anyway, Moshi. Sorry, just a thought. <laughs> anyway, this week we're talking the finale of Ultimate Girls Trip. Thank we're God. talking Real Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> Not thank God, but before we talk about what we've watched, what is the word on the street? All right, Moshi, there there has been word on the street. There is a word in the temple. Um, I want to start with Beverly Hills. Okay. Um, word on the street is that Anne Marie, who's the new housewife, is feuding with quote-unquote, two former enemies of the show, which I'm assuming is Erica and Sutton or Crystal. Um, And why are they feuding? Because apparently, allegedly, Anne-Marie has some very questionable transphobic views of the world. And so Erica and, like, Crystal slash Sutton have called her out on it on the show. Everyone should um, be calling her out on it. I believe that this is Erica's redemption season. I believe it too. And hearing this whole, like, Erica is calling Anne-Marie out on the transphobia, like, it's how you're going to do it, right? I believe that. I, I, th- I am seeing Erica back in her, like, getting her groove back. Correct. Speaking of getting her groove back, we found out that she is allegedly dating Michael Galgan. Gosh, who's Michael? How do you know his whole full government name? 
So Michael, Michael is a casino owner in Las Vegas. <laughs> he also owns um, a NASCAR racing team. Um, but word on the street is that her new love interest, Michael, is the reason why she got her Vegas strip show. Vegas strip show, I understand. But her show on the Vegas Strip, now that's a different show. <laughs> her Las Vegas residency. How old is Michael? 80. Good for her. Good <laughs> for her. The way she uses these old decrepit men. Uh, 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 we don't know he's decrepit. We don't know that she's using him. Allegedly. I mean, he's no, look, he's no George Clooney. George Clooney is decrepit. What? <laughs> is George Clooney your type? That's weird to me. I feel like everyone's like George Clooney. Uh, no, maybe your mum, but not mine. <laughs> Who's your mum? Your mum or you? Me. Okay. Who's another? Jack Nicholson. No, he's decrepit. Oh, my God, Jack Nicholson. He's literally like a hermit as well. He just popped out of his cave recently. Anyway. He's allegedly dating Erica Jane. No, that made that up completely. That's not true. Um, so, um, yeah, this, look, the Erica Jane of it all, she dropped off her invite to Lisa Rinna's house the other day Um to the Vegas residency. I think that's going to be on the show. You're going to get a, a cameo appearance from Lisa Rinna. She can't stay off. It's what the people want, Washi. Is it? Not me. Anyway. All right, moving to Miami. Um, word on the street, Moshi. Gertie has been demoted. Woohoo! I, what makes, it's the most thing that I've heard of that makes sense today. So, yeah, because we heard that all the women were coming back, um, but I, the QAnon, the HNON is saying that Gertie has been demoted. Bye-bye, Gertie. Um, and we also found out this week that Lisa Hochstein, um has finally been awarded $8,000 per month in temporary support from Lenny. That is not enough. Well, that's what that's what the internet is saying too, Moshi. It is not enough. But in even though it's eight thousand dollars a month, he still has to be paying for like all of the kids' like extracurricular activities and their school fees and all this and that and all the rest of it. So I don't think like I is don't it think a spousal support or is it child support? I believe it's spousal support. Okay, spousal support. I understand. But um, okay, interesting. I I still think he should be paying more alimony. But this could also be an indication that maybe he's not as rich as we thought he is. Well, at the end of the day, it's just a temporary order anyway because um, obviously um, it's still nowhere near being like... Yeah, even they're still just separated. Correct. So, yeah, but justice for Lisa Hochstein. Yeah, 100%. Um. This week also we got a lot of the tea from the New Jersey reunion, which I believe none of it. I mean, I'm sorry, I believe some of it, but I believe a lot of it has been planted into page six by 
tree hugger haters. I I think so as well because we know for a fact that a lot of the producers were giving the tea. We were seeing the same headlines, news articles. It was almost like, you know, not real journalism, just off a press release. But there seems, look, you know I am not a tree hugger, but even I was like, this seems skewed. Absolutely. Like, and and it was very, like, yeah, Teresa negative and everyone else positive. Like, you know, it was just like she went crazy and she was calling. Like, she called Margaret a whore. Like, I don't know. Is that newsworthy at this point? No. No, exactly. Um, but the other H&N rumour at the moment, Moshi, is that apparently all the women have been asked back for next season. Of course they have. Like, New Jersey is the one franchise where things are never going to change that much, casting-wise. What happened to getting rid of Melissa, though? We'll see. Apparently the only person not coming back is one of the friend-ofs. It better not be Jen Fessler. Well, I don't think it would be. You think it's Jackie? Interesting. Well... Apparently during the reunion, the two friends said not a single word. But I think a lot of that has to do with editing. I'm sure they did say stuff, but I think when it came down to we only have three parts and, you know, this is the most important thing, like when you're a friend of, you get cut. That's just the way it is. I don't even think they spoke to be cut. You know what I mean? Interesting. That's a shame because Jen Fessler deserved a moment. No, see, I mean, we could talk about it later on, but let's just discuss it briefly. I just think that there's a lot of people on the internet who are talking about how Jen Fessler should be made a full-time housewife. That's not what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying, Washi. And I just think that, like, if she couldn't even, like, speak a word at the reunion, it's sort of like that's vindication for me personally that she wasn't housewife, full-time housewife material. I'm just a bit sick of the people who think that, like, just because someone says a funny line that they should be a full-time housewife. It's like the Kathy Hilton effect, right? We were all like, oh, my God, Kathy, she's, like, the best ever, blah, 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 and then looked. But it's that Kathy Hilton, I think, is really different because look at that what she could have given us access to. We could have got more charities. We could have got Paris Hilton. Do you know what I mean? Like through Kathy, we could have gotten so many other things. So Kathy Hilton, I think, is like a rare, it's a oh rare situation. Never gonna get it. And the people out there who were like, she should be full time. It's just like it was never gonna happen. Like you know why it'll never happen with Kathy Hilton? Let's have this conversation now. It's because she would never want to share the limelight with that many people. She needs to just, she's got her own shows with her family. She does not need those other women. Whereas Jen Fessler, maybe if she could bring it, I could see her in the future leveling up. I've already said that I feel like she has Marlowe potential. I see that, but, I mean, it took Marlowe a very long time. And and Jen will, Jen will pay her dues. Um, moving to Salt Lake City. What do we have to? Coach Shah was asked to return to season four, but he has declined. Good. Like what for? 
It's the Real Housewives. If your wife is not on the show, update. Not if your wife is not on the show. Well, it's not not by her choice that she's not on the show. I believe choices were made, Patrizio, and she made a bad one. So she's being punished. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Speaking of being punished, we are being punished with the reboot of the Real Housewives of Sydney. Are we being punished? Yes, I believe we are. I don't think. I don't think this is a good idea. I think the original cast was just so fucking iconic. They did what needed to be done. They were booted off. It is what it is. I think we need to stop trying to make Real Housewives of Sydney happen. But it's okay. happening. I think we need like the Real Housewives of Adelaide or even Perth. I could do Perth. Another season of Auckland. Justice for Auckland. Okay. No. Well, I okay, obviously you had problems, but we don't we don't invite back the problems. No. Gilda, fantastic. The other one that was at Champagne, great. The old the one that was um the old host from um if you can't remember any of their names. I don't remember current housewife names, Moshi. That's not fair. No, but you remember all of the taglines. So if you cannot even if you're calling them all by champagne. Hey, so do I have to say their taglines then? They can't, they're not coming back. They're not iconic enough. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I inherited it. <laughs> you see? You remember a tagline. I just don't remember the people. Anyway. I'm with, you. I'm with you, though. I feel like Real Housewives of Sydney, it's anticlimactic. I think they should have learnt from the reboot of Melbourne, which, like, wasn't really giving, like, move on. I, I will say the only thing that, like, this news has made me kind of like excited for is the fact that if we're willing to reboot this trash, that perhaps Melbourne has another season in them. Only if I need, I need my originals back. I need all of them. I agree. I think though that what they'll do is they'll see how a relaunched Sydney lands and based on whether it's successful or not, then they will potentially look at either another city down under or try to do season six of Melbourne. You really think Gold Coast is going to happen, don't you? I can see in your eyes you're thinking a Queensland reboot. But I just feel bad for Melbourne because I think the pandemic was not it. I think, yeah, there was, I mean, there were obviously several issues that were kind of beyond just like a badly produced show. It was like COVID, it was like lockdowns, it was fake houses, fake storylines, fake people. So I'm hearing a lot of production being at fault for this. And the people and Charlie couldn't, couldn't. Sorry, I'm still disappointed. She tarnished Melbourne for me. I was thinking the other day, though, I think Petty Fleur, I don't think she was really living in the um, the apartment that she was saying that she was she living was. in. She was. She was. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, well, look, let's talk the real, like, highlight of the word of the street this week, which is the real house size of Orange County trailer and cast photos finally oh, dropped. Oh, we have a release date. It's the 7th of June. Moshi, I was underwhelmed. I think, like, because it only went for, like, a minute and a half, it wasn't 
exciting, but I think it it did what needed to be done. Like there is something about, I realize about the OC, even just the way it's produced, like it is brighter. There is more color. And I just think that moment <laughs> um, with the OG of the OC at the end, just <laughs> like, come on, come on. Even for the listeners, Patrizio just smiled. Like he loves that moment too. Like we saw what we needed to see, I think. And you know, I don't like the OC, but. I'm happy. If, I, I, I'm happy. If, I'm, I'm happy to roll with it. Okay. My main question I had in all of this was why is Emily the only one dressed in red and the rest were in yellow? Oh, like there were, it was like orange, yellow, blue. Like I feel like the color scheme works. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think it was too, like there needed to be another person in orange, you know, to balance things out. Look, that's from the cast picture, but I don't care too much about that. I'm I'm happy that we finally got some sort of trailer and we got a release date. I think we will get another trailer closer or something closer to the release date maybe. I don't know. But um, you just said that you found it underwhelming. And I know I brought this up last week when we are talking about Ultimate Girls Trip, but you've been finding a lot of housewives underwhelming so what I'm going to ask you is a very personal deep question you're not prepared for this but do you think you were housewifed out like you've just OD'd on housewife you have like had your mind blown so many times that that like you've just done it all when it comes to housewives when I think about OC, though, I think the things that, like, bothered me about the trailer, which, and as well, I will say that I did reflect and think about the season 16 trailer, which was also quite underwhelming and actually didn't have a lot of the drama that ended up on the show, which, like, you know, look, it's good in the sense that, like, I think, you, it, you know, when the trailer has all the funny parts from the movie in it and it's sort of like, and then you watch the movie what and you were like... Movie? wow, like, this was, like, the best parts were already in the trailer. Like, at least this is giving the opposite. It's sort of like, well, there was nothing of note in this trailer, so hopefully there's, like, the big big stuff has been left out kind of thing. Um, I don't know, the fact that they had to pad it with, like, this whole, like, weird, like, you know, ye olde housey wives, like. Ye olde, so 1960s. It's, like, a long time ago now, Moshi. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it was just, I think, you know what it is? I didn't get, I didn't get storyline. Like, from the trailer, can you actually tell me, like, what's going to happen this season? No, and I don't need to. I just need to know that there is going to be drama. That's it. I need to be told a story, I think, and I'm not being given that. But you're going to get that when you watch the show. It's not a movie. The narrative does not have to be linear, Patrizio. Housewives exist in the abstract. But, but okay, I don't think it's enough anymore to get me hooked that I'm going to see Tamara throw a napkin in someone's face. And this is what I mean, your housewife out, because that is quintessential housewives. 
you want more. You're ready for the next generation. You're ready for like Housewives of Mars. I also think that Tamara has like over advertised herself. I'm a bit sick of like Tamara being like so like she, in the lead up to this trailer, she was tweet like she was tweeting at Andy, like, give us a trailer. Like, I don't need Tamara saying the same thing that the fans are saying. Like that is who Tamara is, who she has always been, and why I've never liked her. Yeah, I'm done with Tamara. I don't think I want to see Tamara's Welcome. Return. Welcome. Well, either way, I feel like a lot of I feel like the the Bravo universe of lovers, it's a 50-50 split. I don't know if you saw, I think it was Queens of Bravo, or there was another account today um where some of the more fancy Bravo accounts have already seen the first episodes of Atlanta and the first episodes, I think, of the OC as well. And they're both they're all kind of saying. Atlanta seems okay, but I think people are agreeing with you that it, this could be more flop than woohoo. I am if if I'm if I'm housewifed out, I am genuinely curious though about New York City. And that's that's what they want you to be. I just I think it's gonna be the template. Well, and I think we're already starting to – I think there's there's movement in the Housewives universe, right? Like now we've both seen as well, like this other big thing that's been discussed on the internet at the moment is that the Atlanta and the OC um, title cards have been like completely revamped as well, right? I think we're entering this like a new era of them trying to sort of – I think there's much more consistency between franchises in terms of like aesthetics and stuff as well. Um, like – New Jersey, I think at this point, like if they don't revamp everything next season, I just I don't understand what's going on. Because wow. if I say you got the revamp, why not New Jersey? Comes down to who produces them. But like Atlanta and OC would be produced by two different companies, surely. I don't think they are anymore. Someone needs to take over New Jersey production. <laughs> and there it is. Well, should we, is there any more word on the street? No, I'm done. (laughs) Okay. On that Uh, note, I am done. (laughs) That's better. Let's talk Ultimate Girls Trip. It was finally the finale, season three, episode seven. How do you feel? You're glad it's done? Elated, yes. Why did you hate it so much? Um, I, I am going to echo an opinion I have seen on the internet. I think the problem with this specific Ultimate Girls Trip was um, timelines um, because it was this whole thing of, like, the shows had – in our timeline, Salt Lake City and Potomac had wrapped. We'd had the reunions and all the rest of it. But then we're brought back to Ultimate Girls Trip where they're like, and Miami as well even, like where these shows are like kind of like half still being filmed, like Miami and like 
Um, Salt Lake City had a reunion to film and then like Miami, I think they were like going back to film a reunion. Like it was just sort of like, I, I feel like we've been brought back. They're being brought back. I think it's kind of like where we got kind of like, conclusion or sort of like a better understanding of where like Whitney and Heather were at the end of the Salt Lake City reunion we kind of then get brought back to this like weird place where they're like kind of like good Mm. it just doesn't make sense like I think it's just it's too confusing I think what's a much more enjoyable watch when we talk Ultimate Girls Trip is ex-wives um I think it's like let's like find out like where they've been what have they been up to the last 10 years I think that's the thing that we keep going back to right it's like Put Alexis on from OC. Put her on Ultimate Girlship because perhaps she's not good enough to be on like the actual OC franchise anymore. But I think we're all genuinely super curious about how her life is now, like how she got divorced from Jim Bellino, like her child that's trans. Like the, Alexis has a lot to offer that I think would be great in seven episodes. You know, that never really dawned on me that the premise of Ultimate Girlship should really be more like ex-housewives or potentially like just the friends of like people who are not currently on a franchise and I think you're absolutely right I have to agree with you because even when I think about what was outstanding about this season like the redeeming feature if you will was Portia and a lot of it had to do with the fact that she isn't on a franchise at the moment and she could kind of just enjoy herself, I think. Um, well, I think as well, like another part of this is the fact that there is a lot of breaking of the fourth wall on Ultimate Girls Trip because they're able to do that. And again, I think that's more compelling when you have the housewives that are no longer on their franchises anymore, that like they can be a lot more open about, you know, well, this is what was happening when we were, like, filming and this was, like, how production cut it. I wasn't happy with how this was edited and all the rest of it. Like, and Portia has the ability to, you know, get into all of that and all the rest of it and there's no repercussions, let's say, because, like, she's not actually going back to film another season of her show. No, I really love that. Did you have... Okay, so I, I now, looking at it from that perspective, I agree with you, this was... a a flop and didn't live up to its full potential. Um, But was there anything that was redeemable or enjoyable for you? Like, were there any highlights? I think, um, I think you're right about like Portia. Um, I think that was like a huge, like if there was an MVP, it was definitely her. Um, I think a huge win um, for this show is the fact that we will never see Leah on Bravo ever again? Do you think? Do you think that Leah has like, um, like really pissed off Andy? Do you think like she fucked up, fucked it up for herself? Look, it, it truly wasn't her fault. Like she had this weird viral viral infection or whatever. But I think like it's telling that she never got asked to be on Watch What Happens Live um, during the past seven episodes that have been airing, um, but everyone else from the cast has. Um, there was also, I, you know, the story that she kind of blamed production for not going to her grandmother's funeral. 
Well, I and I, I guess this is the thing, right? Like, like she could make that call. Like, she can say that on the show because, like, I guess she knew that she wasn't going to be coming back. And then, yeah, sure, probably the people weren't, like, happy with her saying that. Yeah. For me, that was the nail in the coffin because I do think that one of the things that I also did enjoy was the factions. I They didn't, they weren't what I thought, I didn't think that that's what they were going to be like from the outset, but I really enjoyed the final bus ride with Bad Weather, um, Leah and Candace. I liked their little gang, just dancing and just being carefree um, and having fun. Um, okay, what else can I ask you about this? I'm really, I'm curious to know how your your brain works. Okay, let's talk about what was like the lowest moment for you. Like, what were the really, like, what the fuck low low points of the season? I think for me, I'm going to have to say that it was Giselle um, because, and again, I think the internet would agree with me on this one, that she finally had an opportunity to perhaps bring something new to the table like Marisol did or, you know, just be more open about her personal life or whatever. But instead what she did was she decided to have this like unhealthy obsession with the Classe Azul bottle. Um, And in that it got extremely dark and toxic when like she was coming up to Candace about it as well. Um, And it just wasn't fun. And I think like, you know what, there was an opportunity where actually that could have been really, like, funny and iconic. She just, like, took it to a place where it didn't need to go. And I think that's really sad for her um, because I think for a lot of people, they want to love Giselle and they do enjoy her antics. And it was just, it was tomfoolery. So speaking of her tomfoolery and her antics, she had that blow-up poster of the Class A Azul bottle. When I was watching that the second time around that I was watching the show, I was like, hang on. I'm sure it is plausible that she got that printed off in like 24 hours, 48 hours. But then I was like, it feels more plausible to me that she brought that picture from home and that she had planned the whole time the mystery of the Class A Azul bottle. Like she went in with like, this is going to be the thing that I'm going to do. What do you think about that? Again, like I'm, I think there was an opportunity where it could have been funny and iconic, even if it was kind of premeditated, but she took it to a place where it was like, this isn't actually funny or like enjoyable to watch. Because even like, you know, her like courtroom that she runs, it's, it was no Judge Judy. It was no Jerry Springer, like rest in peace. Like it was like, it was just stupid. And it was like, it was just a chance for her to basically come for Candace. And I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to side with Candace on this one too, is that Giselle picks a target and will go after them season after season. And Ultimate Girlship was no different. She came into it knowing that she was going to come for Candace and this was how she was going to do it. And I think the fact that she knew that Candace and 
Portia were going to have beef and she was going to have this partnership with Portia. I think that also gave her like the confidence to go in more on Candace. And that's when it just felt a bit icky. But um, with that said, there's a couple of, there's a scene towards the end where we see Heather, well, we see Bad Weather and God, that song that they do. (laughs) Not a song. It's the quote. (laughs) (laughs) They have a whole thing. They created a second verse, Patrizio. Come on. No, there wasn't. Oh, hang on. But not in my mind do I remember a second verse. Lisa Barlow said, Whitney, Heather, bad weather. But they created, there's like more to No, it. no, Lisa Barlow said, Whitney, Heather, bad weather, tornado, spin it around. Like that was her oh, whole thing. Oh, yes. oh, I didn't realise Lisa. Okay. Well, Lisa Barlow is iconic. So <laughs> But they created a whole dance movement to it, which I loved. Um, so we see bad weather at the end talking about the Class A Azul bottle being in the outside shower the whole time. Do we believe that? Because I kind of... I I truly believe Heather is the one that took it. Yeah, so do I. Because if anyone is going to steal, like, a fan prop, like, it's Heather, the biggest fan. Oh, Heather was taking as much from set as she could. Oh, 100%. She definitely stole something from every lady. (laughs) Locks of their hair, locks of their weave. She's got, like, she's got her own, like, Watch What Happens Live clubhouse in the basement of her home, and it's got all the things. She's even got the bunny. Like, I don't know how she got it, but she's got it. So speaking of Heather, one of the mysteries that came out of Ultimate Girls Trip for me, because I think it was really interesting to kind of get to the root of her and Whitney's issues but, like, this thing around Heather actually still being kind of Mormon um, is very fascinating to me because I think from the outset, like, you always spoke about Salt Lake City and, like, how it's all about the religion, but from the outset, Heather's whole thing has always been, to me anyway, that she was, like, escaping the church and she was, like, struggling and all this stuff. But it seems to me that she is still very much involved in the church. What are your thoughts? Is she a fake Mormon rather than a bad Mormon? I think that I don't think she is. I don't think she's 100% still in the church, but I think it's like one of those things where like, it's too hard to give up. Like she's like, she's like a cultural Mormon now. Like. That's what I was. So do we think like she wants to be Mormon 2.0? Like in the same way that Lisa Barlow is just embracing her Mormon 2.0-ness. Do you think that that's what Heather should be doing? Yeah. Like she should just like do the big holidays. You know what I mean? Like I agree with you. And Christmas, have a- Easter. And that's it. Well, and all the other weird stuff that they, well, I shouldn't say weird, but the illegitimate stuff that they celebrate that's in the Book of Mormon. Um, okay. Now you mentioned before. You mean the, um, you mean the soaking? (laughs) 
And just like that, it's Patrizio after dark. Um, anyway, you can look <laughs> soaking and Mormons if you don't know what it is. I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> Ooh, haven't heard about that TikTok trend for a while. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> speaking of soaking, someone, yeah. who was <laughs> someone who we could say was wet throughout the whole season was Marisol. <laughs> Oh, that was the, the world other kind of wet. <laughs> yeah, the other kind of wet. Um, but you mentioned before that, like, you know, that people that like were really bringing it kind of redeemed themselves from their season was Marisol. And I think in particular, this last episode where we finally really saw a bit more of the friction between her and Alexia was really fascinating to me because they did what no other housewives can do. They got over it and loved each other at the end. So I think just firstly on Marisol, I don't think that she like redeemed herself. I think it was more that she actually like came with new information that we hadn't ever had before on any of her seasons, right? She let, she, it was another layer of the onion, as you'd like to say, Moshi. And I think that is like, you know, and this was the place to do it, right? Because for once she was kind of like, well, not for once, like, again, she was almost like a full-time housewife. Um, She was on like an equal footing with the other housewives, like compared to Miami where she is a friend of, right? Um. I also think in Miami she has a lot of conflicts with people or people also have conflicts with her, whereas on this she didn't have conflicts with anyone. Well, I think in this as well, I think she was playing a very different role, which was kind of like the there's too much conflict between everyone else here. I'm just going to get them all wasted and have a good time because I know that that's what you're meant to do when you're in Thailand on holidays, right? Um Look, I think with the whole Alexia Marisol like friction, I think that's just like normal like girlfriends having to share a room for seven days together, and they're just like, and it's the pressure cooker situation, right? They're not just on any holiday; they're on an ultimate girls trip holiday, so they're exhausted from having to deal with all of this like you know fucking petty bullshit drama that like you know it's not even worth actually being on, on film to be quite honest. Um, then they're having to share the room together and, you know, and plus to get from like Miami to Thailand, like they would have been, they would have been like jet lagged for at least the first three days of this like seven day trip. Right. So it was really, you know, that that's why they were at each other at the end. I don't think it's like anything like malicious or anything. Cause I've seen a lot of people who were like, the producers must have asked them by like the last day that like, Hey, you two haven't like really given us any drama. Can you fight with each other or something? I don't even think it was that. I think it was just purely just like they were exhausted and they were just, you know, in each other's space 24 seven and needed a break. But do you know what it was for me as well? For me, it was like it gave like people who have a real relationship. Like it's the sort of stuff that back in the day we would have seen from like a Sheree and Nini or like a Nini and Marlo, like people who have 
their actual genuine friends. So like this is what their day to day is like, yes, they kiki and have fun, but they also have spats. Like they also like have these, like you said before, like these girlfriend dramas. And I think like that's the part that is often missing in housewives because I feel like too much it's them versus us and it's all about people backing each other, backing up each other up. But it's so nice to see just like, like I just thought for the whole show that Marisol was so freaking real and I just enjoyed her being so genuine. Um, but it was interesting to look. My favourite sort of spat that she had with Alexia was around Marisol's missing coffee and Alexia just like, this is when Alexia was like, primo Alexia, when she just was like telling her to shut up because she's like, well, at least we've seen the tequila bottle. Nobody even knew about your coffee. Like just Alexia saying literally what's at the top of her mind. And it's true. Like it makes so much sense. I'm like, this is why she's a great housewife. (laughs) I loved it. Where is the coffee? I mean, that's. Well, the coffee never came with them. I'm sorry. The coffee's in Miami. She forgot to pack it. It's with Steve. I, um, I, but again, this was like the little tidbit that I loved. I was like, I never knew that Mama Elsa and like Marisol had this whole coffee brand that they were obviously wanting to sell at some point. I bet you there was a lot of brands that like Marisol had in the works and then the show, their franchise got cut. And that's why she's doing whatever she can with the cockies, man. Like she's, she's trying to get it out there because now she's back. Well, having said that, though, it's sort of like when are the cockies coming out? Because, like, she should know that, you know, on one moment you're on TV, the next moment your franchise is cancelled. So I would be selling the cockies ASAP. I think she's, I think she's waiting for a, a brand partnership or a brand deal. To me, I really think, like, um, Marisol should create a vodka yeah, or tequila, I don't know. But she drinks mostly vodka and orange juice, her little screwdrivers. Like that's I think vodka is like her drink of choice. So I would love to see that. Um I just I really enjoyed this last episode as well because of like the cultural locations that we got taken to, like where they had their lunch, that lily pad situation was like Oh, and the dinner. Forget the, I mean, the little. But I was, let me build up to the dinner. Jesus Christ. Don't just cut the lily pads out because the lily pad was the entree to get us to the dinner where Pepsi is dressing the women with stylists. Portia getting the crown, but go on, get into the dinner, honey. Talk to me about it. Uh, I was just, like, going to say, like, where was this all season? But you got to save the best till the last. That was beautiful. But I feel like Phuket has a lot to offer. I agree. And I think that there would have been a lot more, um, like, you know, sort of that upper end of, like, you know, expensive luxury resort holiday that the women could have done, but they didn't. Which, again, like, it needs to be aspirational. I agree with you. I think that they had too many things inside their their house. Like, they didn't go out and do enough things. Um, 
But of the things that they did go out and do, I thought they were good. But, yeah, I 100% think that we should have seen more of Amazing Thailand. Like, send them to, like, I don't know. I'm sure there would have been, like, so many, like, beautiful, like, restaurants and gardens and, you know. They should have ate out every single night. And then Portia can come back and have her KFC. Like, I think it kind of does almost need to be. They need to be put in situations where, like, either are so, like, amongst the people. Um, around the people, Patrizia. <laughs> like, where we have to watch them, like, be really cringy because they don't know how to, like, act. Sending them to Morocco. Like, if, like, in Morocco... I wanted to see them like in the markets. Yeah. In yeah. You well, with that, with that said, what are your hopes and dreams for the future of Ultimate Girls Trip? You already mentioned, you know, the casting situation. Um, what are my hopes and dreams for so for the next season? I mean, I I need I think I Unfortunately, as much as Bluestone Manor, like, it was a bit of, like, a rough season, I think I do need women who are thirsty to be on TV. Yeah. I need stunts. I need, I need like, brawls. I need, like, I need, I want Alexis. Like, this is the thing. Like, Alexis is going to be on season four, Alexis um, from OC. Like, where has she been? What's the update? Is Slade still a deadbeat? Like, I need to know all this information. If, you'd, if you watch Below Deck, you would know because she was on Below Deck. So we know, those of us who have expanded. What, what was that, like one episode of Below Deck? It's all you need because the new husband's there. She's doing her whole thing. She's fabulous on Below Deck. But anyway, but I agree with you. I think, I think. No, we- sorry, not Alexa. I'm talking about Gretchen. The way that I am just like on a different, like, no, I mean Gretchen Rossi because Gretchen's on the next theme. Season, yeah. I was going to say. But I do think you're right that Alexis Bellino is due for an ultimate girls trip-esque thing. And I think you're right about the thirst. Like it has to be thirsty people. Adrian Maloof. Like where is she now? Like I don't know. Like who who are these? Are like Aviva. Like again. Yes, we need Alexis. We need Aviva. Like, okay, already just those two on a show, I already know it's going to be gold. Like Leah Black, um, yes, Leah Black, who like like you know I guess we've had Phaedra now, but like you know the, I just feel like there are so many like former housewives that we we always sit there and we were like, where are they? Like what are they? Sonia Morgan, like you know, Kim Zolci. <laughs> I mean, we know where she is now, but. But I think she's a perfect contender for Ultimate Girls. Trip. But I want you just saying Aviva, Alexis, like already, like that has. Um, even doing, like doing things to me. If we go to um, like even Dallas, like Leanne. Well, if I'm only watching it if they bring Leanne on. I know like, she's racist. I know we hate her, but I love her. I don't care what anybody says. Leanne Lockett was built for reality TV. Maybe it needs to be, like, pairs of, like, housewives that, like, hated each other. Like, you know, Deandra and Leanne, um, 
I mean, Alexis and like so many options. Um, I'm like, I'm also down to see Rina on an Ultimate Girls trip at this point. So I would be down with that, but I think like Ultimate Girls trip like six or seven. Like I think we need a little bit more time of her like not being on the show anymore. That we're kind of like, but where is she at now? Like, well, I mean, she won't let us not know where she is now. That's the annoying thing. Um, okay, Lisa, Rina, and um. Uh, Eileen, send them off. I, I I don't know. I can't stop thinking of, like, I need, I'm going to be spending this weekend manifesting a future Ultimate Girls Trip that has Aviva and Alexis in it because I, now that you've put those two kernels in my brain and you've spoken about the thirst, like, I know exactly what I want. I need, like, people who are on the precipice of, like, getting soaked, like Dorinda and Jill. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, that is what makes it good, like brandy. And I, I think we're ready for the gag being bring in one international housewife as well. Like we need to bring Adeline? like Dawn Ward, just bring her in. Yeah, like it's seven housewives and Dawn Ward, or seven housewives and Gina Liano, and seven housewives oh and um, God. who was that really like? problematic one in Vancouver like there's just so many options like in jail I think now or like (laughs) well when she's on parole bring her on the show like I think Mary I I could take Mary from Vancouver yeah like I think Mary would be like so much filler in her cheeks now that her eyes are just permanently shut that's what I think about when I think about Mary from Vancouver (laughs) I think like you just need like I want to see that like the the American house size kind of be like Wow, they have house size somewhere else. What's that like? For it's you? like RuPaul, like yes, that's the world ultimate girl strip. Yeah, I'm here for it. Or even just like all stars, how Jimbo's now, like the first like non-American on the all star. Like it's given that. It's giving that. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk all things New Jersey. We're back from the break. Happy to be back. Thank you, Hussy. <laughs> Obsessed with Claire. Obsessed. Well, let's get into this week's episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. It is episode 12 of season 13. There are literally like two episodes left at this point. I say that every week. You're like, we're just at the penultimate episode. It's about to be the end. Well, with New Jersey, it's because they do like a 15-episode season. And a, a short season's a good season. Washi. 100%. Short and sharp. Um, they are still on the cast trip to Ireland. Um, they are... Like, there's a few things, there's a few activities happening at the moment. Um, but let's talk about the highlights, Moshi, which is the first one is um, Paulie's mum. Yes, meeting her sister and Paul's mum, Claire, and the fact that as soon as she walked into the house, she called Dolore a hussy. Loved it. Well, she's not wrong. That's why I loved it. Um, <laughs> why is it like, I don't know, in my mind, Paulie... Paulie is not old enough to have a mum of that, like, age either. Like, I don't know. I was just like. Okay, so I'm going to say something controversial here. There's just Irish mums 
and that's just what or Irish mammies, and that's just what they all look like. Okay. They could be 25. They all look like that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so Claire is only like 55. She's like 12, basically. The only thing I didn't like is I feel like because she is like this like sweet, like older lady. I feel she's like not though. Isn't that the joke is that she looks like a sweet older lady, but really she can like. But I think they were being really condescending towards her. I think she held her own. I think they were just trying to be nice, trying to be respectful. I don't think they were being condescending. Okay. What was the condescending bit? Come on, don't roll your eyes at me. He's rolling his eyes at me. I think I think they're just like the way that they're like, oh, so cute, blah, blah, blah. It's like, just because she's all like. Anyway. Um, like in her 80s or 90s or something, Patrizia, like I think they were allowed. The way that, like, this lady, though, has come, like, three hours, like, to just visit for five minutes minutes on camera. That was the bit that I was really thinking about, and I was like, I hope she really didn't. Like, I hope hope she was maybe just, like, staying around the corner or something, or production, like, paid for her to drive in. But either way, I thought it was nice that she came in and was part of the show. I think Dolores has secured another season for sure. 100%. But I think as well, for me, what it did, it really validated for me that Dolores is in, like, Island isn't a joke. Like, Dolores is really ready for everyone to see her new era. And she's showing everyone, like, I always go back to when she says, like, when she was with David, everybody was like, you deserve this, you deserve this. And now she's getting what everybody says she deserves and... She wants people to know, and I love that. I find it empowering. I think it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I love Dolores, always have, always will. I think she plays an important part in the show that I think people do not always realise. Do you not think um, so? Do you not think she's a fan fave? Do you not think everybody loves her? No, I feel like if you, if you asked, like, who would you fire, I feel like people would put Dolores into the mix. I would slap those people. Well, okay. Well, maybe don't do that. No, no, no. They deserve it. Um, but, like, what else happened in this episode? It was, like, a fun episode. We had, like, the the hens party, which was, like, actually with the hens. Yes. I thought it was interesting. Like, I th- what I really loved is that they were really trying to embrace the, I guess, European, I guess because we do it in Australia as well, our culture, which is like we don't have a bachelorette. We have a hen's night, a hen's party, and embracing that culture. And I've got to say, I think Jennifer Aiden did a good job because she's Teresa's old school like her. So no dicks. I feel like... (laughs) I feel like she Googled hen's party and this, like hen's farm popped up and like jennifer was like i'll just book that not realizing what was going to happen next no i think those guys like i think they because she said like they do do like bachelorettes there and she'd read the reviews and i think it showed like i'm just gonna say this now that was like a queer farm do you know what i'm saying (laughs) it was like very campy you know, like the catch the cock and all of that. Like it was all these like tongue in cheeks. It was all just humorous. And I thought it was like perfect. I actually was like thinking that's what we're doing for your hands. 
We're going to Ireland. We're catching some cock. Oh. <laughs> Irish cock. Now that is a podcast for a different day. Um, no, no comment. At the hens, I think one of the most beautiful moments was the activity that they um, have to paint Teresa's life. Well, she's rolling her eyes now. Why is it not beautiful? Because I don't believe it. I just don't believe any of it. What do you believe? I'm just like, okay, Melissa, you got your fucking moment. Remember those moments that, like, now that I've, like, done a bit of a Housewives Masterclass with Portia, like, Melissa set up a moment for herself. Like, I don't think Melissa did that from the kindness of her heart. I think everything she, at this point, everything she does has an agenda. And because of that, all the sweetness is tarnished. These people hate each other, Patrizio. Like, I can't. But this is the thing, though, right? Because as much as Melissa is getting a moment for herself, I feel like Teresa, like, takes control of that moment in the sense that, right? So Melissa obviously starts crying about, like, you know, the mum and the dad and the family and blah, 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 right? But then Teresa goes over and hugs her and kisses her. And it's just another one of those things of, like, look how Teresa is trying to embrace you. Look at how she is, like, she's not, you know, dismissive of you in that moment or whatever. And so I think it's just, like, this whole thing. Like, I think what we're building up to, and it will come out at the reunion, is basically, like, Teresa has made every effort imaginable to try and include them where possible, you know, and and whether that was with good intent, bad intent, you know, like good, bad vibes, whatever it is, right? But Teresa has made the effort, right? In the same sense of like, you know, when Teresa's like, you know, um, I, I want like the kids, you know, like, like the Gorga kids to be involved in the wedding, like what what Teresa doesn't necessarily mean is like you know to be in the bridal party but what she's saying is that she wants them involved to be a part of the day to be there to experience it and all the rest of it at what she was saying I'm so glad you speak Trey because that's not what me and the internet and everybody else every other housewife got from that moment And when she says, I don't have family, what she means is she doesn't have parents anymore. There needs to be. She's an orphan. Can I say something to you? There needs to be something. She needs you to sit there and translate everything. No, no, we need Dolores. Like, you know how they have, like, someone signing in the corner? Yes. They need Dolores like translating in the corner. The need, like somebody needs to be able to translate what Teresa is saying because I think you're you're absolutely right. Like she just does not articulate things correctly. But it's the fact that nobody is step like the fact that Melissa doesn't understand what Teresa is saying and takes it all so literally because now that you've said it that way I'm like okay, now I understand. Because if I was Melissa listening to Teresa saying that sort of stuff, I would be just as pissed as Melissa is. But also I think there is some ownership. I think Teresa, it is frustrating to me that at this point Teresa doesn't think enough before she speaks with some of the things she says. 
You know what? Actually, I'll even go further as well. I think when she says, I don't have family, like, I was like, who's left in her family? Like, they got rid of the Wakili's, like, you know, like, there's there's literally, like, there are no cousins, there are no... Who, who no, but, like, she has family. That's the joke. Don't anyway. She has family. So, as much as Melissa's creating a moment for herself, I think that, like, Teresa is, you know taking notes and just disarming any sort of attacks that Melissa is like setting up for later. I don't, I don't necessarily think that Teresa is doing those intentionally. Well, and, and that's the thing though. I think that at the end of the day, Teresa is like truly so pure of heart. Like I think that, yeah, sure. She's a bit of a firecracker, but, you know, we got this, like, super vulnerable moment, right, where she was, like, crying because she's, like, please, just, like, no one draw me, like, in jail. And, like, it's heartbreaking, right? And then she talks about the fact that, you know, like, that all these milestones happened in her family while she was away. And you, so she's, like you know, completely, like, just, like, pretended that that period that she was in jail just, like, never happened. Teresa is the realist. Like, you can't tell me, like, who else in the Housewives universe is so open about every experience that they've had on the show? Like, even Kyle Richards could never. Because, I mean, they're the only two OGs left standing, right? It's Kyle and Teresa. Yeah. Look, I think we see it, you know. I think that's why in the end Portia became a phenomenal housewife because she became more open, but really she's not. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. Like in those moments, Teresa is hitting it. And I think what makes Teresa such a a great housewife, like the way that she is, is that she does her moment. So when Teresa has a moment, it's an unintentional. She's not trying to hog the spotlight. It's like she's just adding value to something. An example for me as well in this episode is like when we do meet Paul's mum, Claire, and she, you know, does call Dolores Ahasi and Teresa instantly makes connections, right? And she says, oh, my gosh, that's just like my dad. Like he had that sort of potty mouth and he was kind of cheeky. And then she does that thing where she's like, Melissa, you know. Like she, you know, she in those moments, she's not thinking, I think you're right. Like, I don't think Teresa comes from a place where she's plotting revenge or plotting to be mean. Like she does, she needs more of those moments where she is just like chatting. And I think you're right that anytime that she's angry or coming from that sort of place, it is a retaliation. Um, and that, that was maybe something very, even though I, I'm like not team Melissa per se anymore, but like, um, that was something that was very eye-opening for me. And and you also translating Trey for me. I'm just like, she. It, it, there is a purity there, but I feel like you're right. Like people are looking for other meanings behind her purity. And like at the end of the day, we can just say Teresa's just not that deep and it's like not an insult. It's like stop making something bigger than it is. 
Absolutely. Like Melissa is just looking for reasons to hate Teresa, looking for reasons to blame Teresa for things. Like even like when they had to jump into the mud together, like Teresa and like Melissa were like holding hands. They did it together. Yes. Like it was beautiful. Um, I don't know. I think there are other people that fan the flames as well. Um, Like I will, even though I love Margaret, I will wholeheartedly say that I don't think she does a great job of deciphering what's going on. Instead, I do think that she, you know, the the other elements um, make it bigger. I also think Jen Aiden enjoys that there is a feud between Melissa and Teresa because it gives her an opportunity to get close. So unfortunately, I do also think that like, as much as the women around them always want to say they're trying to be the peacekeepers, I think they enjoy the feud as well. They get something out of it. They benefit from it. The only peacekeeper that truly exists would be Dolores. And the fact is that because she is of that old school Italian mentality, she'll never sit down with Melissa to give her the like the what's what about Teresa, right? Like, because that's just not what's done. Um, Whereas you're right, like Margaret and Jennifer come from different places where they are willing to get involved in the mess. And you're right, Margaret's team Melissa and Jennifer is team Teresa and Jennifer enjoys the fact that like she can attack Melissa in a certain way and be backhanded towards her and all the rest of it. Like even like the whole like Bill Aiden of it all. Right. So like we find out in this episode that Bill Aiden has been asked to be a part of the bridal party, um, which is like, yeah, low key weird. Um, But, you know, I think at the same time it's sort of like, well, is it a matter of like, well, if Jennifer Aiden's in the bridal party, then she needs a partner and therefore like who else are you going to put her with? Like just put her with Bill. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's, and it's also, it's like a wedding for TV. Like why are we, why do we care? Why do we care? Okay. So with that said, I think that Danielle is kind of the antithesis of like, Teresa's cool, calm, like her this this purity that exists underneath and everybody else is what makes her erupt. I think Danielle is a little bit too quick to erupt. Um, and I think we're starting to see her unravel a little bit um, and perhaps like yeah, I'm curious as to like I mean I mean we always knew that she's high energy. But I do think that she hasn't been doing her, she didn't do herself any favors in this episode in her ongoing feud now um, with Margaret and Rachel. Purely because I don't think she she can't compose herself enough and she just looks. Also, I think like the whole rat thing is ridiculous. I love it. No, I know you love it, but I I don't think. I, I don't I think one thing that I think about Danielle is I think that Danielle is very used to winning every fight that she's in or people being so intimidated by her that they just don't go all in on her. And I think she has she's finally meeting her match. Like this is Housewives 101. Like if you're gonna be a housewife, you need to be able to take it as much as you dish it out. And I think she's realizing that she can't handle it as much as she can dish it out herself. 
I think as well, there's like obviously a lot of triggers for her in terms of like family dynamics and all the rest of it. And I think obviously watching Melissa and Teresa be at it constantly, um, you know, is a reminder of her own relationship with her brother as well. And like the fact that like really the other women have not been that nice about that whole situation that Daniel's in. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I think. Danielle, though, like, I think she's a good time girl. Like, I think, like, she's fun and, like, I think she's there to have a good time. And I think she just, yeah, maybe you're right, wasn't prepared for the the darker side of housewives. But, again, I don't think it's I, – I think it's people fanning those flames. And I think those people are Margaret. I think Margaret is, like – I, as much as, like, I don't know, Margaret might be a necessary thing, I think it's, like, truly entering, like, Lisa Rinna territory of, like, what what are you giving? Like, all you're giving at the moment is, like, Lexi's moved into your guest house, like, and that's it. I'm going to ask, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I want to just touch a little bit more on Danielle. We sort of see her breakdown in this episode and she says to you know, one of the things that she mentions is that she's so used to having her husband there to back her up or, like, she's just not used to being around this many people who she feels are against her. Do you think that there are that many people, like, against her? I feel like she could have squashed this beef very easily and I do think that Rachel is antagonising her a little bit by constantly bringing up the rat thing. But I understand where Rachel is coming from because what she wants is she wants Danielle to acknowledge that she's been hypocritical. Um, but do you think that this is something that Danielle could have just squashed and it would have been fine already? I think Rachel needs a storyline. Oh, the way you hate Rachel Fooder, I kind of like her. I like her nonchalance. I like the fact that she's so unbothered. But what's she bringing? Like, I think that she, like, kind of started to bring something and hasn't brought anything. And you know what? I think, like, I think the adoption storyline that's coming up for, like, Rachel Fuda, it's going to start to get weird. Yeah, 100%. But we know, you mentioned, like, a couple of weeks ago how, like, we always, we often say this about Margaret, like, what what's Margaret bringing? And then we see bits of pieces of things that are, are kept off the the that are on the editing room floor, right? So I wonder now, like, we know we've had a peek behind the curtain. We know how much of this is manufactured. But, like, I wonder because we know that before they film a season, they have to tell production what they're going to bring. And that's the only that's the only reason they're given a turnpike or a diamond or an orange or a champagne or whatever. And so at what point do we blame Rachel for her not having a storyline or do we just sort of say, well, it's production. They're not showing us everything. Well, but I think that you can say that you've got a storyline and I think something can sound compelling, but then I think you can start filming it and realise that there's actually not much there to it or it's like, you know, I think a good example of it would be like Sharice, right, from Potomac, which was um, I think, you know, she discussed it on um, the podcast with um, um Carlos King like her like the production wanted her to show her like her life post marriage and like dating and all the rest of it and it was like her life was moving too slowly 
for it to be really show be shown on the show like in an authentic way, right? Like her divorce was like being dragged out and she like wasn't ready to start dating yet and all the rest of it too. So it's sort of like uh, it's the same with the adoption storyline, right? Adoptions don't just like happen. Like it's a lot of like legal stuff and like, you know, a lot of like court dates and all the rest of it, like especially in a situation like this with Rachel Fuda, like maybe she came with the like, well, I've got this like stepson who's really like my actual son. I'm going to think of like adopting him. And then they filmed it and realized that like, well, like this adoption is going to take like three years to move through the court system. Like that's not really much of a storyline. I I think the the point of Rachel is ushering in, like her and Danielle, is ushering in the new ladies. I think she is, you know, the millennial housewife as well. And I think like she's she's more of that like influencery thing. I think like at the beginning, you know, I will go back and say I liked that you had pitted her and Danielle against each other. And I think that that's obviously what production wanted right from the beginning, which is why they're they're potentially fanning the flames on flames on on this in the background. But I do like Rachel. I don't know what it is. There is just something about her. I like. Okay. So, like, let's say that Danielle and Rachel are, as we've been saying, the future of the show. Why then are we having this, like, rumour that all the women are being asked to return, right? Because it's sort of like if you want fresh new movement and all the rest of it, basically what you have to do is over the, over the you know, three seasons, let's say, you start to pull people out and put new blood in, Right. Because otherwise we're going to be left in a situation where we're going to have to do a New York and just cut everyone and start all over again, right? So, like, it's sort of like in the next season, what should they do? They should get rid of, like, you know, Melissa and Jennifer Aiden, right? Pull them out. Get rid of Melissa and Jennifer Aiden. That's huge. But then you need to inject new personalities in, right? Because it has to be some sort of, what are we going to do? We can't have these women on the show for, like, forever, I, I agree with you, but I think, like, so I think the natural course of things is everyone's waiting for Teresa to leave. And I think, like, Teresa will leave and then we'll slowly start to see, like, Margaret will go. Like, Margaret would go before Jennifer Aiden. But I think that, like, I actually think Jennifer Aiden is potentially going to be, like, the next kind of OG. I think she's in it for the long haul. She needs her endorsements. But I think we will see Margaret go. I think we will then see Melissa go. And then slowly what we'll start to see is the same way that Dolores was brought in. We'll start to see, like, Danielle's friends being brought in. Because I think the other thing is that I think, uh, um, oh, I know why I was thinking this, like, um, if you follow uh, Danielle's, like, Instagram, like, she shows all her friends that she hangs out with, they hang out on the stoop, all of those sorts of things. And I think, like, amongst her friendship group, she's, like, the HBIC, right? So I think we will start to see, you know, people bring in other people from their lives. We might see the sister-in-law eventually make it on the show, all those types of things. I think we just have to give it time. You can't just, like, they need to have had, I think, two seasons to show that they're worth it. But I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I just think that, like, Teresa is not going to leave until Margaret and Melissa do. Like, I feel like Teresa is the kind of stubborn Taurus that she is, that she wants to be the last one standing. She doesn't want to give anyone the the pleasure of saying, 
I lasted longer than Teresa in the sense, not in terms of like how long like they've been on the show, right? Just in the fact that like, you know what? I pushed Teresa out. I got rid of her. I have now my, because Margaret, I think would love that. Margaret would love to be center turnpike. Teresa's out of the picture. And then after that, Margaret would be like, I'm done. Like I had, I had what I wanted. I can leave now. I'm going to be really honest with you. I think with New Jersey, I think you have to be a mum with school age children to be the center holder. I think, like, I hate to say it, like a Dolores, a Margaret, regardless of how fabulous they are, I think they that's not what the show is about. So I don't think, like, they'll never be a Caroline man. So, like, nobody wants that. But I can see Teresa getting her own spinoff. Because we're always, we're always going to want to know what is happening in Teresa's life. I just, I think the era of the spinoff is over. I just, I don't think... I think we'll get a yearly six episodes. What's happening with Trey? Like, I think we'll get it. She's all, to be fair, when she's not filming Housewives, she's literally just on vacation, like constantly. Nobody goes on vacation as much as Teresa the Do you think she actually wants to be on TV though? Yeah, I don't think she cares. It's a means to an end. She does it because she's got so many people relying on her. Queen. And she wants to, I mean, and this season, I mean, you give them a wedding. Like, come on, have production pay for your wedding. I'm and we need to see like a happy ending. Well, I think this is a bit like if there's any place to leave it, it's now. Because the thing is, like, she's not like she's getting pregnant with this man. Like, she might adopt. Um, okay. The last thing that I just wanted to call out is, and you said it. Lexi live and her husband living with Joe and Margaret. It's giving thruple. It's giving swingers. What the fuck is that about? But I thought it was because Lexi broke up with her husband and now she's living alone in the guest house. Yeah, but didn't they say her husband was there too? Well, I thought I heard that also, but then they were explaining about how Lexi had broken up with him. So I'm not really sure what the truth is. I thought that whole scene, though, was more just an explanation as to why Lexi was at the boys' night. I think we need to stop trying to make Lexi happen. I think this is Margaret's thing, though. She tries to make a lot happen, and it just, it just it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Anything else you want to add about New Jersey? Um, no more men. I agree. I'm done. I'm, you know I love house husbands, but now I'm done with it. You know you know what the end is actually going to be? This is what the nail in the coffin is going to be. It'll be the fact that I think Dolores is done with Frankie Sr. And I think we're going to see that next week. We kind of got that in the preview, like him crying and her look of like, you are crocodile tears. Well, he's also team Joe and Melissa. Correct. That reminds me, you know what word on the street you didn't have? And this is something I heard that Joe and Frank Senior have been pitching their own show. So the word on the street is that Louie is the reason why that show didn't get picked up in the end. By, but they were shopping it around to a different network, which also doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, they're probably just within NBC. They own everything. Um, I don't believe any of it, though. 
Oh, I totally believe that Frankie and Joey were sh- like a simple life type show. Like, do you know what I mean? Like a buddy dump thing. Like I could totally see them trying to pitch that. No, they would be pitching like what was that show um, where they con artists? Like, come on, that no, no, not even like saying like we know Frank has literally been to jail for like for he's been disbarred. Okay, he is somebody that is big on like get rich quick, and he's enjoying the fame, and so he should. He's fabulous, um, and Joe Gorga we know is the same way. I was going to say, what was that show where they do, like, stupid shit, like, skateboard? Like, that's the show that they would have. 100%. I agree. Um, But I think that all that needs to happen at this point is Dolores to say, I'm done with Frankie Senior being on the show. And then Joe Gorga will then have no one to hang out with and he'll be cancelled. Louis, I don't think, is really interested in hanging out with the other guys either. So I think it's a slow, like, death of having the husbands really be on the show because even the new cast husbands, um, Danielle and Rachel's husbands, like, really backseats. Like, they've got jobs. That's the, They've got jobs. They've got careers. They don't need the show. Unlike Joe and Frankie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, Frank's got these weed business now, so that's good for him. He's got something. Um, well, that brings us to the end of another episode. It's a quiet week, and then we have Atlanta starting. Gosh. Yeah, it's truly just... Um, It'll just be New Jersey next week. New Jersey, your favourite thing to talk about. So on that note, for now, we will be back next week. Um, Please remember to rate, review, follow. What was the other thing that you said last week? Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Um, Rate us. Even if you don't love us, but just try and give us a rating, five stars. Ha- helps other people find the pod. Follow us on Instagram at From the Lower Level Pod. Please slide into our DMs. Let us know what you're loving, you're hating, what you think, what we were wrong about. We want to hear it all. That's all I've got. Moshi. Goodbye, baby gorgeous. Bye. Bye.